Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McCallan. Before we start talking with today's guest, I have an announcement to make. ACB has launched a new iPhone app. It's called ACB Link. ACB Link contains ACB Radio's various live channels and on-demand podcasts. This includes Speaking Out for the Blind and ACB Radio Mainstream, of course. ACB Link is another way for listeners to be entertained and informed by ACB Radio's wide variety of shows. For more information and to download the new app, go to link.acb.org. Now let's get back to today's Speaking Out for the Blind show. Today's guest is Vinay Pimplay. Richmond Confidential says that Pimplay is a blind city council member from Richmond, California. And he joins us today to talk about how his blindness hasn't kept him from his interest in politics and the goal that he has to improve lives of Richmond residents. Welcome to the show, Councilman Pimplay. Well, thank you for having me, Brian. First, let's learn how you became blind. The Richmond Standard says that you became blind at the age of 10. How did you become blind at such an early age? Well, uh, this was RP, so I have uh, RP, and uh, it it is a bit strange how it started, because until I was 10, uh, I could read. I couldn't read fine print, but I could read fourth and fifth grade books. But when I was about 10, I started taking a particular medication. And this seems to have really kick-started the decline. And uh, so my eyesight went down pretty sharply over a period of three months, and I couldn't read after that. And since then, it's been going down slowly. But um, now it's, I mean, it has been very close to zero for a while now. Richmond Confidential says that you came to the U.S. from India in 1993. You went to Rutgers University in New Jersey to get your Ph.D. in English Literature, and in 2002, you came to California to get your law degree at the University of California, Berkeley, or for short, UC Berkeley. How did earning these two degrees increase your chances of securing a rewarding career in politics? Well, for a start, I just want to make it clear that I did not get a PhD in English Lit. I, I was what they call an ABD, all but dissertation. So I did finish my coursework. I did the uh, proposal, wrote the first chapter, but that was around the time that I um, got the job in software. And so I wasn't able to continue it. And uh, then I decided to switch to law. So I never quite uh, finished the PhD. I think the law degree did help me a lot because for one thing, uh, people have a decent understanding that you know uh, having a legal background will help you 
analyze the issues uh, and what kind of laws you need. Uh, I think it also really helps because in this society, people respect lawyers a lot. I mean, they may hate them, but they respect them also. And uh, having a law degree from uh, Berkeley, that helps too because it tells people that I'm reasonably good. Uh, so I think I think that that did help a lot. I don't know uh, part of what part of the way that the English lit degree help uh, or the English uh, lit graduate work helped was that my focus was uh, women's studies, and so people got a sense of. Uh, my grounding being in you know things uh, they knew that I would be a person who has empathy for people who may not be like me and for people who have difficulties and that I'm always willing to understand um, other people's perspectives so in that sense I think the 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 topic I chose did help me. I also understand you worked at Verizon for a short time, right after law school, as a blind software engineer. What work did you do in this role? Uh, well, I did some software documentation for them. I also coded a fair bunch. I coded with a Visual Basic front-end and an SQL Server back-end and also an MS Access back-end. You're also an attorney. What law do you practice? Well, uh, I actually don't practice yet. So I was going to start my law practice, but just a couple of months into uh, my getting my bar membership, I was appointed to the council. So I, I never quite got it started yet. Now, because the first several months, there are... Uh, just a lot of things to learn about the way city works. Uh, and so I've been just too busy doing that. Also, our council tends to be a pretty active council with all kinds of measures. And this year in particular has been a pretty busy year. So I haven't had the time yet. And you've been quite busy indeed because the former council member, Tom Butt, he yeah. went up the ranks earlier this year to become mayor. Yes. And that mayor's former city council seat became vacant. And you ran for that seat and won last February. Yeah. How did you decide to run for that seat and win? Well, for a start, uh, you know, I've, I've always been interested in politics soon after I went blind at the age of 10 because... Um, once I was blind, I couldn't read. A bunch of the games I used to play, I couldn't play. So I used to hear the radio a lot. And since I wasn't particularly musically inclined, what I heard uh, tended to be uh, sports or news. And so I got interested in politics at a very early age. Uh, however, I didn't get U.S. citizenship until 2012, uh, 19 years after I first came here. And so in 2013, 
then there was a similar vacancy I had run. And uh, at the time, people didn't know me. So it's very understandable that I was not appointed. Since then, I have attended most city councils. So the people on the city council, they were very aware of who I was. They knew that I had a commitment uh, to uh, public service, that, that I was an engaged citizen. They also knew that I was fairly independent because when I spoke in front of council uh, as a member of the audience, I would always, uh, you know, there, there wasn't one particular side that I took. Sometimes I was on one side, sometimes I might be on the other side. It just depended on the merits of the issue. Um, and so when um, Councilman Bart became Mayor Bart, um, a vacancy opened and our council had a 3-3 three, three split, you know, so there were uh, there was one group of three and there were another three people who weren't a group, but they were, and they agreed with the other three on a lot of issues, but they weren't affiliated with that group. And this group was called the RPA. And so there was a 3-3 split. And so even though I was the first choice of only one of the council members, uh, you know, uh, for the others, uh, Getting four votes wasn't easy, but because I was seen as independent, I was the one who managed to get uh, the four votes out of the uh, 18 candidates who ran for the seat. I hear that you use a screen reader to conduct city business. How does that work? How are you able to read all the city documents using that screen reader? Sure. So this, so the way our system works is that everything uh, gets converted into one large PDF file. So uh, what I do is, for me, uh, text works better than PDF, so I save it as text and read the thing in just text format. Now, sometimes what happens is that in the conversion, if it is a scanned image, then I can't act, you know, if I save it as text, it doesn't get converted to text. So our city clerks, she mails me a zip file of those scanned images, and I use the Acrobat to do OCR on it and then read the OCR version. There are also cases in which there are Excel sheets, and Excel sheets, when they get converted to PDF, the tables don't come out well. So in those cases, I asked the city clerk to email me the Excel spreadsheets separately so I can go into Excel and um, read the stuff. How do you participate in the council meetings? I believe this is one of the council members' most important responsibilities. Yeah, so if you're blind, uh, you do have to put in a bit more work because what happens in our council is that when we sit at council, every uh, one has a laptop in front of them or a laptop and an iPad. B because I can't be hearing a screen reader read out the stuff to me and following what uh, the other council members are saying at the same time. 
so I need to be a bit better prepared than the others. Uh, sometimes, occasionally, uh, there will be a special accommodation for me in the sense that, for example, uh, a few weeks ago, we had an item where we had to vote on 36 different things because there were 12 items and each item had an A, B, or C option. And it would have been very difficult for me to remember exactly what 6C was or what 7B was. So uh, the mayor, uh, you know, Mayor Bart, he agreed to read the items before we cast the vote. So instead of just saying, okay, we are going to move to 7, who supports A, who supports B, who supports C? Instead, he just said what 7 was, what option A was, and then vote on option A, what option B was, vote on option B, read what option C was, vote on C. So sometimes uh, there have been those accommodations made for me at council, but otherwise, uh, you know, mainly I just need to be uh, better prepared. One of the things you've already been working on as part of the Richmond City Council work the San Francisco Chronicle reports that the city of Richmond passed a rent control ordinance last August. The ordinance caps the rent increases about 2% per year and it empowers the renters during the landlord disputes and starts a just cause eviction process. The Richmond Standard said that you opposed this ordinance. Why? First off, about half the rental units would have been eligible for this. And if you follow just basic economics, the law of demand and supply, what happens when you introduce rent control is that 50% of units essentially get taken off the market. So if there is excess demand of 10%, the excess demand actually doubles. And because of this, the rents start going up. And under California law, what happens is whenever the tenant changes, the landlord can push the rate, even if it is a rent controlled unit, landlord can push up the rate to the standard market rate. And so what you find in California and certainly in the San Francisco Bay Area, is that the rents in rent-controlled cities go up way faster than rents in other areas. So rather than helping renters, it's, it just increases the rents for, for most of the renters who live there. And then there are other issues too, because what happens with normal cases is that the landlord makes the money by keeping the apartments in a good condition so that their tenants stay with them for a long time. What happens with rent control is that the landlord gets more money, not because the customer stays, but when the customer leaves, because that is when they can push up the rents back to market rate. There is one other issue too, which is, which is important for me as a blind person. And that is that uh, rent control affects marginalized group. 
whether you're disabled or disfavored minority, you are affected much worse because what happens is that the landlord, when they are trying to rent to someone, they are aware that this person could stick around forever, could stick around for 10 years, 12 years, 15 years, what have you. As a consequence, they only rent to people whom they consider low risk. You started to plan to collaborate with the Chamber of Commerce and the city businesses just to find out how they can attract more store owners, shoppers, and residents to Richmond. What's the current status on these collaborations and what are some of the future plans? So these things take a bit of time. So part of what we are going to do is make an inventory of the parcels that we have, of the areas that we have, see which industries can make the best use of it, and then try to recruit those industries. That plan has not yet been done. We are hoping to get that in the next few months. Also, I think just showing up for a lot of business functions really helps because they feel that it's a city council that is friendly to business, which was not the perception before. One of our listeners, Councilman Pimplay, Jim Uh East is his name, He's got a question for you. He asks, do you have an opinion on accessible voting and the various accessible voting machines being used and debated around the U.S. and other parts of the world? Well, actually, I don't know much about the issues, so I don't really know what accessible voting machines exist, what their accessibility is. Typically, I just go with, uh, well, I go with my uh, wife or we, uh, uh, you know, vote uh, by mail ballot and just just do it that way. And before, you know, I, I just typically found someone whom I could trust to mark off everything. Uh, but you know, if they can get uh, accessible voting, that is obviously a good thing. But I, I just don't know enough about the issue. How might our listeners get in touch with you if they've got any questions? Oh, just email me or call me so I can give my phone number out. My phone number is 510-412-2050. Again, that's 510 510- Four one two two zero five zero, or um, I can give you my email. My email is vinay.pimplay at gmail.com. So it's V like Victor, I N A Y dot pimplay, but it's spelled like pimple, P I M P L E at gmail.com. What advice do you have for our listeners who want to become city council members or even attorneys? Uh, For city council members, I think I can give good advice. Understand that this is part of public service. You don't have to be elected to perform the public service. So try and seek out volunteer opportunities. Because even if you don't get elected, it will give you the same kind of satisfaction. And, you know, the other thing is part of the way that you get noticed is 
when people think of you as a dependable member. So, so don't just show up to the campaign offices for you know few weeks before the election. Go there well in time for the primary, a month or two before the primary start. Make sure that people know that you are there for them when they are going to need you. And, you know, the more people you get to know, because often people have this idea that, oh, you know, you need some backroom deal or what have you. I didn't do any backroom deal. All I did was the people knew that I did all this volunteering activity because they had attended those things and they knew about those organizations. And I talked with them. I think people like the fact that that you are blind, but you still want to help people. Uh, a, 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 a lot of this is also down to personal relationships. It's not, you know, because I was independent, I was not specifically aligned with any council member, yet I was the one who managed to get the four votes. And some of them did take risks, substantial risks, to back me, and they backed me based on the personal connection that we managed to make. So those things are important. Councilman Pimplay, you're an inspiration to us all, and you encourage those who want a career in law or who want to run for public office. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks a lot for having me, Brian. Before we go, I welcome your comments on the show. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You may also email me at mccallan3 at comcast.net. That's M-C-C-A-L-L-E-N, the number three. And yes, there's the new show website at speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community. Hello, ACB Radio listeners, ACB members, and friends. This is ACB President Kim Charlson wishing you a very happy holiday season. I can't believe that 2015 is coming to an end, and the holidays are here. It just seems like we were celebrating last year. But the holidays can be a lot of fun for all of us, but they can be stressful too. So please try to keep all of what the holidays mean in perspective and balance everything. I need to take close heed of that myself because sometimes we get a little overexcited 
about all the things we have to do during the holidays. So I hope for all of you in 2016 that you will have a wonderful holiday season with friends and family. You'll remember what the holidays symbolize for all of us. Love, peace, family, friends, our God in whatever form that takes, beauty for me through singing and music, and have a lot of fun with the presents and the decorations too. Whatever you do for your holidays, do it with a warm heart and loving spirit. My best to all of you in ACB land for a wonderful holiday season and a most prosperous and happy 2016. Mission Council of the Blind and Visually Impaired. We want to wish you a blessed holiday season. We're happy to be part of the ACB family. So from all of us in Michigan, have a very Merry Christmas. And we wish you a healthy, happy, and successful new year as we all work together. Giving eyes and ears and hands and hearts to do what must be done. ACB, 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 Radio.